Hey guys, welcome back. It's another episode and the end of the year, so I'm super excited. Um, so thank you for tuning in. And before we start our episode, I just want to do a little commercial here. Um, it's right now November and I'm open for story submission again. So I put the link in the episode note. If you have great stories about cultures, intercultural, cross-cultural, whatever you call it, or if an immigrant, international student, cross-cultural marriages, uh, or even TCK raise stories, please do feel free to submit the stories and um, I'm open for recording and I would love to hear from you uh, or you can refer someone else you think that would be a great fit to my channel. Um, so find the link in the episode note. So today I haven't been doing a lot of intros for uh, the previous episodes because I just want the audience or listeners just to take a clean aspect before listening to my episode and then um, each one of us can then on our own conclusion or decide which takeaway we want to uh, we want to learn from but this episode is pretty special i met sandra online through cat's referral right after listening to sandra speaking and then during the process of editing I felt like there's something I really want to say to encourage whoever is listening to the episode. You know, we are loved and we're good enough. And you don't need to do anything to prove yourself value or your worth. And I really hope that every one of us can find contentment and the peace along the way as we're finding out ourselves and identities. So, and I'm also here. I just want to uh be an open resource to you if you want to talk to me please do reach out on social media or email um, about uh, this kind of issue um yeah so let's get started Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. questions um i don't think so let's do this i'm super excited i've always wanted to be a podcast that's why i have this fancy mic because i started a podcast during quarantine and then i didn't finish so oh okay <laughs> well I'll talk about it okay okay yes Hi, welcome back to Chai with Ping. My name is Ping and thank you so much for tuning in for another new episode. If you haven't subscribed, please do hit that subscribe or follow button because this is where you can get notification for your new episodes. And, and you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram. You can also shoot me an email by chaiwithping at gmail.com. I would love to hear your feedback or you can share with friends. I will be really grateful if you do that. Um, today... I have a special guest that um, we have never met before this recording. And then she was re- referred by Kat, who is the previous um, guest. I will put a link below in the um, episode note. So they're friends. And then she said that she can uh, share a little bit about diversity, minorities, and mental health issues. And then so so I'm just going to give a little inter- introduction for her and then she can catch up with that. So she's now a diversity advocate in higher education, which is like my field as well. So I'm super happy. So let's welcome Sandra. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Why so are you laughing here today? <laughs> I'm laughing because you're 
you're so peppy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be that hyped. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. That well, was a great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> so I, like I said, I've never met you, Sandra. And then this is our first time meeting. And I, I we talked briefly in an email but can you just introduce yourself a little bit and share some of your background with us? Yes, absolutely. So um, like you said, my name is Sandra Addo. Um, I, my formal title is Administrator for Diversity, and I also do some graduate student recruitment over at Texas Tech University. So I'm over in Lubbock, Texas and Lubbock, America. Um, I actually, it was funny because eight years ago was when I moved, eight years ago yesterday is when I moved out to Lubbock, but I'm originally from the Dallas area. And so I, I guess I'm 26 years old now, but over about 28, 29 years ago, my parents moved over here from Ghana. So I'm a first-generation American, so first-generation college kid, first-generation pretty much everything. And the last couple years, I've really t- taken some time to see how that impacted me as a person, and not necessarily in a bad way. Obviously, there's bad things about it. Um, But there's a lot of really good things that I've really gotten to explore since I am the child of immigrants. And I've loved it so much. Just getting to explore the culture, getting to explore the history and what everything's all about. It's been such a blessing. Um, But like I said, I moved to Lubbock here eight years ago. I got my undergraduate degree in marketing and then I got a master's in um, strategic communication. Um, My first job was in admissions and I was a recruiter. But I just had this passion for diversity and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, so it's nice that my coworker, who's one of my good friends, she actually came to me and she's like, hey, we have a new job position. Are you interested? And I was like, 100 percent, let's go. And it's been so good in this role. I'm actually getting to create a five year strategic diversity plan for the whole college. Um, and I have a committee and everything. And it's so super fancy and I love it with my entire heart. So I'm really excited about what's going to get to happen and get to talk to you about mental health and um, how important that is, especially to me and just everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then it's like, it seems like you're doing so many different things. Um, You're not wrong. So (laughs) (laughs) like I said, um, I was a student twice. So I did my Mm -hmm. undergraduate, then I did my master's. I did do my master's while I was working my first full-time job. Um, which was also a job where I was a full-time recruiter. So I was traveling all over Texas, New Mexico, um, in the Southern part of the United States and just doing my master's online in between when I had time. Um, And then I finished that, came to my new job. Like I said, that I am now, I started becoming a CrossFit coach at my CrossFit gym. So it's something I do too. Um, And then apart from that recently, about a month ago, I got elected to be president-elect for staff Senate. So if you think about like student government association, like they have in college or they have in high school, think about that like on a staff level. So there's about 6,000 staff members on campus and there's an advocate between them and higher ed or higher administration. And so that's my job too, to do that. So I like to stay busy with all my free time and then just, you know, I have all the time in the world. I also like to travel pretty much every weekend. Because that's just what I do. Okay. Well, okay. But right off the bat, I want to ask you, because I realize there's a lot of different terms in the U.S. And then I I have several friends who are from different African countries. And then I realize a term they would like to be called is Black. They say that they're Black. But I realize in the U.S., 
people probably like do you guys prefer to be called african-american or black <laughs> that's like a one oh one question right <laughs> no it's okay um again like i said in the last couple years as i've been coming more and more um familiar with my background and what that means to me i've gotten to know a lot more about like what that means mm-hmm And so for me, I mean, you can call me pretty much anything and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But where I think there's a difference is because there are black Americans and then there are African Americans. So you, just because you're black doesn't necessarily mean you're from Africa because you could be from Jamaica. You could be from Mm -hmm. one of the islands. You could be from pretty much anywhere and be a black American. The second group of people who I think could be considered Black Americans or anybody whose heritage has been so stripped away from them that mm-hmm. they don't know where they're from. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe their family was a slave from Africa, you know, a long, long time ago, but they don't know that. And so they're just Black Americans. Mm-hmm. And then alternatively, obviously, I know exactly where my parents are from. They still yeah. go and visit Africa, Ghana mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Regularly, we have a house there. And so I know based off all that, that I am African-American because my roots Mm. are directly tied to Africa. Okay. So if you had to pick one in general, I think black Americans is probably going to be encompassing to everyone. Yeah. But obviously I don't know the answer that everybody wants to be called there. So I should probably check with them before I start calling. Always check with someone. I think is the best way to say it. Mm, yeah, that kind of aligns with the, I, I learned so much from the diversity and equity uh, issues here on campus. And I used to work in the office for that as well. And then that was one of the things that we, we talk about is I don't assume that people would just like what you're calling them, check what they want to be called. And so, yeah, Sandra, thank you so much for giving that example. Um, I am interested about, because you're the first generation, well, wait, are you the first generation immigrant here or are you the second? Yes. So my parents were born and raised in Ghana. Okay. Um, and until I was born, so my mother became pregnant with me and then moved to America. So I would be born an American citizen. Okay. And then they worked on their citizenship. So okay, I was the first one in my family born here in America. Got it. And then if I had children, obviously they would be second generation, second generation. and so on and so on. Okay. Got it. Mm. So is it just your parents moved here? Um, so my parents moved here when I was in fourth grade, my mom's mom. So my grandma, she moved in with us mm-hmm. and then it was just us for a long time. I have three siblings and two parents. So there was, um, seven of us for a long time. And mm-hmm. then about two years ago, my mom's brother came over. Um, and I think more of them would have, but realistically, and as you guys probably could assume, Ghana is not a super rich country. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, super crazy poor by any means. They have colleges yeah. and universities and shopping centers, mm-hmm. but it's super expensive to get here. Yeah. And so only a couple of them have ever made it over. I've never met anyone in my dad's family. None of them could ever afford to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But this past summer, we were supposed to go and visit them, but then, you know, COVID hit and we couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. And then this summer thing just came up and it was still kind of crazy. So next summer we're hoping to go back. Cause there's still a lot of family members who I haven't gotten to meet. And I think mm. a lot of parts of my history that I don't really know because I, I don't know them as well. Got it. Wow. Okay. Can you share a little bit um, about your family tradition? If, if any, that, which is important for you. Yeah. I think one of the really cool things about, my family is that we are truly Africans and Americans. 
And so when we think about traditions, there's a really cool blend between the two different cultures and countries. And so, of course, we're going to have Christmas. We have Thanksgiving. Um, we eat turkey, you know, and do open presents on those holidays. Um, super, super Christian household. I'll say that. My mother has us praying out the wazoo. Um, she messaged me this morning. She's like, did you read your Bible today? So, and I know that Ghana is a very, very Christian nation on the bottom half. And then actually the top half is very Islamic. And so we're out, we're on the bottom half. And so that's what my parents came over and ingrained in us. But if you ever go to my parents' house, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, if you can come visit, but just now it doesn't look like a lot of American households because the meals my parents cook. And when my grandma came over, she still doesn't use a washing machine. She's been here since 2004. She'll hand wash her clothes. She and my parents, they always have had a garden in our backyard. And so I've always grown up eating these very fresh vegetables and they were so good. It's so funny when you go to like the grocery store now in America, I'm like, this is not what okra looks like. This is, they look so much bigger than this in real life. And so it's a really, really cool blend. They have their drums up on the wall. We wear African kente when we go to my mom's church, but when we go to my dad's church, he goes to Baptist church. So we're, you know, traditional American clothes and it's kind of bouncing back and forth my entire life which is a really, really fun thing, but also sometimes is really stressful. And again, still just figuring out all what that meant for me in the last couple of years. Wow. Okay. And what, what's the language between them? So um, they speak English in Ghana. That isn't their first language. It's their second language. Mm-hmm. Um, their first language is called Shui. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my household, there's a variety of languages being spoken. My mom is very well educated too. She knows some Russian. She knows all different 30 dialects that they have in the area. So not just language, but all the dialects too. Um, it's funny because the longer I've been in a, in school, um, the more English I've spoken, obviously. And so she'll say, she'll tell me something in Chui when I go home and I'll reply in English. And she's like, wow, you've really lost it. I I think I have so I feel bad yeah wow that's amazing like your mom can actually speak that many dialects that is just probably the most amazing person I know I know and then can I ask like what they do after they move here or it's too too private no I mean I'm I'm an open book um so they moved here I remember we lived in Dallas proper so like right Mm -hmm. where it says Dallas on the map Um, we lived in a tiny apartment. There's just one bedroom. And so we all, we all crammed in there as we're, it was just me, my parents. And then my younger sister was born while we were still in that apartment. And so it was the four of us. And my dad was, he did a variety of different things. He was in finance. He did, um, analytics. My mom kind of bounced around in jobs too, mostly because when they got here, they were still learning the language a lot. And so it was really, really hard to get employment because they understood language and they understood the job and what they had to do, but people couldn't get over the fact that they have heavy accents. And even now I'm really excited that they still have pretty heavy accents because it reminds me like, this is really cool. This is where I'm from. Um, But now my dad is, he's still in finance. He's a financial advisor. And my mom is computer analyst. She ended up getting her master's a couple years ago. So she could advance. Um, And so that's what she does now. Wow. What were the things that they emphasize so much to, because you have a brother and you, is there any other siblings? Yes. So I have two sisters and a brother. So I'm the oldest. Um, I have a sister who just graduated college. She went to university of North Texas. 
Um, my brother, he's in, he's starting his senior year. Wow. I guess, um, in a small university in South Dakota called mm-hmm. Augustana university. And he plays football and scholarship up there. Okay. He's also an engineer, super smart. Um, and then my youngest sister just did her basics this year at home. She stayed home. Um, she has some health problems and she didn't want to risk it with COVID being around. Um, but she's going to study to be a nursing major. Cool. Wow. Five kids, four kids, four kids. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 I was like, Hmm. hmm okay. Cool. 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 What are the things that you already mentioned that your mom is so like, you know, emphasizing on you reading the Bible, Like, what are the other things they always keep you guys on the toes for? Um, for sure. Like I said, religion so important. We pray a lot. We keep that real nice and close. My mom is the epitome of, you know, a Pentecostal speaking in tongues kind of woman. Love her. Um, so that was one thing, obviously, that was very important to us. Another thing was um, the concept of working twice as hard to get half as much. Because not only were we Black, but we were also immigrants. And so there was a language barrier. I mean, the name that I was given at birth and the name that I went by when I was younger is Mamesewa. And it just means born on Monday. It's my grandma's name too. And that's what I knew for the first couple of years. And then when I went to school, it was like, oh no, it's actually Sandra. Um, that's American. That's what you need to do. And my mom was like, it's important that you understand English. It's important that you dress well. It's important that you never look, you know, unkept or whatever. And she still hounds me on that today, especially because I've always been very casual as a person. I mean, I'm the first person to admit today I went to work and I didn't wear makeup because I (laughs) forgot to. And so (laughs) I know she wouldn't appreciate anything (laughs) like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, apparently like appearance Mm. is pretty important for them. Mm. Because it was always, you needed to look like you belonged where you were. And that was Mm. hard. Oh, that's still pretty hard for me. Sometimes is thinking that I have to look like I deserve to be where I am instead of just earning my spot and being there because I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of like, it it was from the root of yourself and that, Mm -hmm. well, I, cause like when you're saying that you should expect that you work twice as hard, but get receive like half of the that how do you feel about that I feel a little (laughs) sank in my heart I spent I think the first couple times I heard that I really rejected it Mm -hmm. because I never wanted to think that anyone wouldn't value me for who I was fully as a person and then just make judgments from who I was on the outside Mm -hmm. but especially I mean moving out to West Texas it is I mean, it's cowboy in countries, you think it is. And Mm -hmm. being from Dallas, it's a very diverse area. There's people from all over. I mean, I felt so good. I never had an issue. But as soon as I moved to Lubbock, that was the first time where I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And so in situations all the time, like I could be the only black person in the room and I always would know it. I always knew it. Or I could be, you know, on a leadership team, I was president of my sorority and one of the girls in my chapter, I remember she called us chocolate chips. The only, the couple of black people that were around, she was like, yeah, we're like the chocolate chips and a big chocolate chip cookie. Cause we're there and you see us, but it's not very, like, we're just not very prominent overall. And so I have had a lot of luck and I've been really successful in who I am, but I have 
I think the reason I do so many things all at once is because I am still at the root of it, desperately trying to make sure that I feel like I've earned the spot and where I am. So that's hard. That's hard sometimes. I'll admit yeah. that. Ooh. Okay. Since we're already talking about your racial identity and mm-hmm. that, that's just I, I felt that too. Being Asian here is a very white state, and mm-hmm. it, yeah, I still don't feel very comfortable walking into a room which all the white people were there. I kind of avoid that. As well, but then I'm also like, hey, should I push myself to outside of my comfort zone? But seriously, I know that I'm not gonna fit in, or the conversation will always be around. When did you come? Where Where did you come from? Or it's like, yeah, your English is so good. I I don't and know. And it's like, I'm, do you embrace that or do you avoid that? Like, what is it that you're supposed to be doing? I never know the answer yeah, to that. I don't either. It's it's, and then usually it's the same questions. When we first meet some other people, and and I, I felt like their intentions are very friendly or kind, but but it also kind of put me into a box, which is not own. I I don't think I am only in that box. There's so many other things that I do. Um, so I don't know. But like this is great, awesome, awesome. I love our conversation. So you already talk about your your being black, and then. Can you share a moment that you don't feel comfortable because of your racial identity? Oh man, where do I start? (laughs) Start from your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you about some trauma. Okay, (laughs) let's do that. (laughs) Um, So we're going to start, we're going to start from the beginning. When I was younger, I remember because I still... I just don't know. I remember these dreams super vividly. Would remember going to sleep and dreaming about what would happen if I just woke up white and how much better my life would be. Because my I could find hair products easier. Yeah. And I would fit in at school. Whenever we were at that small apartment, I was going to this little private school right next door Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't have cars or ways to get around. And so they accepted us for free. And so we were able to walk there and go back every single day. And I mean, private school in Dallas is a, is a whole adventure, as you can imagine. And so it was nice because we did have uniforms. So I didn't have to worry about not having the right clothes. But at the same time, I mean, it wasn't a private school for poor kids. And so I just remember like the same dream over and over, just woke up and wish I was white. I had this little Afro when I was younger, which is so cute now. I think it is so cute. But I didn't like it when I was younger. And there's still times where I find that it's hard to take care of. And not really that it's hard to take care of. It's just that it's really hard to find products that are around that I don't have to go out of my way to get in order to take care of my body and how it looks exactly the way it is. And so um, as I got a little bit older, when probably when I was in junior high, I had a more diverse friend group. And so I was more comfortable with where I was and my surroundings and high school was pretty good about that too. When I came to Lubbock, I've mentioned a couple of times before was the first time in Texas tech. I mean, the population of African-American and black people is under 5%, I think on our campus of 40,000 students. And so beyond, you know, being afraid that I was on my own for the first time and, you know, all the stuff that comes with going away to college I was just lonely because I couldn't figure out who I could go to with questions about my hair or things. 
I, I can't remember all the things I had to, but it was the first time I was really, really alone. And so in Lubbock was the first time that I had been called out by just random strangers who I didn't know by mean words used to describe my, my race or stereotypes that people had. And I know as sucky as for me as a woman, I mean, I know that my brother has his own unique experiences as a black man in South Dakota. And my mom makes us be super careful. She's like, make sure your car registration is good. And then your taillights are out and have no reason to ever get pulled over because you don't ever want to go into a situation where you're stuck on the side of the road, or you have to rely on, you know, someone else to have to come take care of you or worry about a cop situation because you don't know how that's going to end up for you. And I mean, we're all good kids. I know bragging on ourselves, we're all super good kids, all good, good grades in school. But at the end of the day, I can't outwork how I look. And so I remember this one time, like I said, I dress pretty homely all the time because I just am more comfortable that way. Um, And I was with a friend and we went to, I think, Sephora or whatever makeup store, which I don't go to because I don't wear a lot of makeup. And I was just following her around because I was just following her around. Um, And the employee came to ask me like what I was doing and if I was buying anything. And I was like, no, I'm just following around this friend. I have no interest. And she goes back and I turn around and I see her pointing at me with some of the other employees and she comes back again. And she is like, if you're not going to buy anything, you know, you need to get out of the store, which there was a ton of people in the store who were not buying anything. It wasn't that big. I could see every, all four corners from where I was standing. And I was so mad. I was like, this is not fair because you don't know anything about me, but now you're making assumptions on me based off of um, your preconceived notions of me not buying anything. And it wasn't because I couldn't afford it. It wasn't because, you know, I'm a bad person. I just don't wear makeup. And I wasn't holding the spot of another customer. People were flowing in by the hour. And I think that was the first time where I noticed a big situation or something like that happened. I know, you know, in the past year that there was a rise in racial equality movements. I know last May, um, a lot of things happened, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement going and people have a ton of opinions on that. I know you can talk about the Black Lives Matter Corporation versus the movement and which one is good and which one is bad. But most importantly, I think it brought to the forefront a conversation that a lot of people weren't ready to have and didn't want to have. And so one of the best things I'll say that came out of it is my circle of friends who are here in Lubbock asked me questions and we talked through things and we had conversations and oh my gosh, I feel like I'm getting emotional right now. It was so good. <laughs> like they were like, I've never gotten to experience, yeah. you know, talking about these things and hearing about what it's, <laughs> hearing about what it's like on the other side. I don't yeah. know why I'm crying. That's so silly. And I loved it and it was so good. Mm. But on the opposite side, I mean, there was this one situation and I was working from home. So I didn't have to leave my house very often because I worked from home and I lived there, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. Um, where um, this guy saw me on the side of the road and he, I, I pulled in front of him as he was merging lanes. And then I pulled back to my lane to get out of his way and he was switching over at the same time. So it probably looked like I was cutting him off, but I was realistically like I was, I had to get out of his way. I was trying. And the third time it happened, we just switched lanes at the same time again he got really mad and he pulled all the way around and got to um, really close to my car and he ended up ramming me from behind. Mm. 
not really hard, but hard enough where I just felt like myself jerk forward. And I was like, okay, well, that's not great. He's crashed into me. So I went up to the next light and I was going to pull over here in a little bit. And he came up to me to my side and he rolled down his window and he called me, you know, a dirty N word. He told me to get out of this town and that people like me shouldn't be around here. And that was probably the peak of bad behavior for people who I didn't know. There is, I mean, there's conversations on Facebook, there's conversations all over articles that you can read about people who say all these things and make these decisions. And I don't really know where their foundation and their basis is because there's really not much that you can say that has a good backing on why I'm any less than anybody else as a person, but they will say it. And they'll say that we're evil and we're crazy. Oh, I've been called an angry black lady and I've had to control my anger so many times because I never want that stereotype. But like I, the last year I was an angry black woman. I was because this was injustice and this wasn't fair. And I was stuck between wanting to speak up for it and trying to take care of my own mental health and my own well-being. And so 2020 for that reason was not a great year for me. And even now I'm just slowly coming out of that, still juggling all the responsibilities and work that I told you about. And so it's really, really been an interesting turn of events the last couple of years. I'll say that for sure. Do you feel like there's so many incidents happening to you and then you have no control over it? So last year you were talking about it and then now you're becoming emotional because finally there was a chance for you to actually talk about it. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, most of the start of 2021 was just a lot of processing Mm -hmm. what the heck happened last year Yeah, and what I was going to do about it. I knew for the first couple of months, I couldn't do anything. I just needed time to, to be away and to take a break. And I got off some of my social medias because I just couldn't handle any of that Mm -hmm. for a while anymore. And for the most part, a lot of things cleared up. I will say that with the, you know, some changes that's happened in the country, things have cleared up. And so what I've decided to do in the second part or the second couple months of 2021 until now, I, uh, I wanted to become more of an advocate and I wanted to speak up and stand up for people like me who weren't ready to stand up yet because I, I'm mentally tough. My mother made sure that no matter what she prepared us for what was going to happen. And so I was down for a little bit. I'll admit that, but I was ready to come back. I was ready to speak on behalf of people who couldn't and like resources like this, and this podcast, which are great is a really good opportunity to share and have real conversations about how important these things are because otherwise, I mean, people who may have bad opinions just may have never really heard the other side And I prefer to think that people are more ignorant than they are hateful. And maybe that's the optimist in Mm. me, but I really do think that people might just not know better. You know, you're just right there pointing my next something. I don't know. I was just reflecting. I feel like a lot of people really don't understand that racial differences so that's mm-hmm. why like they they are really kind 
they really want to, you know, or show their kindness. But but you said it. It's like some people are ignorant and they don't、mm-hmm. they don't have the、um, the means to learn more, or they don't even know that they can learn、mm-hmm. more about this kind of things. How do you respond to those people? At this point, it gets a little bit harder for me because I can't be the one to educate every single person on every、mm-hmm. single issue.、Mm-hmm. Obviously, for the people in my life, if they want to ask me questions, I'm more than happy to answer. But there comes a point where you have to decide you want to do these things for yourself too. If I was struggling in math and I struggle math a lot because I'm not a math person,、um, I wouldn't just wait for someone to pop up and give me the answers to figure it out. I'd probably have to get a research. I'd have to figure out why I don't understand what's going on and fix it. And I think the same thing when it comes to social justice issues is if you have a take and people are like, "This is a bad take. You should educate yourself." Okay, I'm not just going to retort back, and I'm not just going to get defensive for no reason at all. Maybe I do have a bad take on the situation, and maybe I do need to figure it out. What can I do to improve my opinion or my knowledge about this thing? And I find there's things all the time, like speaking as a minority woman myself, that there's things that I'm wrong about, and I need to learn more about. And I'm never embarrassed to say, like, "Oh, I don't know about that. Why didn't you tell me?" I mean, I would say I know a lot about Black struggles, but I don't know if I know a lot about、um, Asian struggles, or if I know a lot about Pacific Islander and Native American struggles. And those are all unique. I mean, Native American women have some of the highest rates of kidnapping in the entire United States. And so, people with two or more races have the highest、um, rate of mental health issues because not only are they balancing, you know, their culture of one side, they have another whole race, ethnicity, identity that's in them, that's part of them, that they're trying to balance out. Which side are we more? Which side are we less? Which side is better or worse? And so, I I am happy to admit that I don't know everything. Yeah. Hmm. How do you handle these things like in your mental health? Because it feels like a lot of stress and anger, or even bitterness, right? Because it's just like things are happening to you, but you didn't, you didn't ask for it. It's funny you ask that. One of my coworkers at work right now, she's doing her doctoral thesis on acculturation stress, and so she and I have lots of good conversations about this all the time. And she、um, has a degree in counseling, and so of course, mental health has a very big part of it. Because in the situation, you have to acknowledge that in society, not only are the demons that I'm fighting have to do with outside society, but there are things within our own household, my own culture, that make situations harder on me.、Um, and thinking, like, I'll go back all the way to when I was younger and living at home. Some of the, like I said, there's a lot of really great African traditions that I love, and the food and the music is so fun. But then there's things I never understood, like I, the using your left hand is super disrespectful in Ghanaian culture. And so、um, when I grab something with my left hand, or my mom needs something and I hand it to her with my left hand, she won't take it, and she'll tell me that I'm being super disrespectful to her. And so there's times where I am focused trying to figure out how to be this good. African girl at home, in a culture that I'm not removed from, but especially since I haven't lived at home in almost ten years, balance that and be good because that's exactly who my parents are. That's exactly who they always expect us to be. 
balance also being an American culture and then balance the two simultaneously and figuring out how to be a good person in that way. And so when it comes to stress and how to handle it and how to be good, one of the things that I always do first is figure out what I can manage or what I can change or what I can do for me because I can't control every single situation. I can't control the outside situations. I can't control what people think about me. I can't control my reaction to all of it. And I always, always, always own my emotions. I know that sometimes I'm mad and I'm justifiably mad and I'm allowed to be mad. What I do as a result of that anger may or may not be a good thing, but you're always allowed to be mad. You are absolutely allowed to be sad. You can be joyful when things go well. You can be Um, sad when you feel that things are not going in the right direction. You should always feel whatever emotion is coming to you because ignoring that is only going to add more stress to you. Secondly, I think what you should do is to make the situation better by always having people who are on your side. My family is great. We're close. We have group chats with my siblings and the girls and the boys and my brothers and my parents. And there's 15 different group chats and we talk all the time. And I tell them about things that are hard for me. And I tell them about things that I'm feeling, but obviously I don't live at home. And so when I want to talk in person and no one's available, you know, on zoom or FaceTime or anything, you have to have that circle of people who you see regularly too. And so having that circle of people in my everyday life has been a game changer. I honestly don't think I would have survived 2020 without the girls and the guys who will surround me every single day and love me and care for me. And so that's step three. And then the step, or sorry, that's step two. And so step three is going to be decide what you can and will do about it. Because just because I do have a voice doesn't always mean that I'm ready to speak up about it. And that's okay. You don't owe anyone an explanation. You don't owe anyone, you know, being better or being educating them or X, Y, and Z. But if you can, and you will, you're willing to, then I'm all about empowering women and men, minorities, even people who aren't in those minority groups to speak up on behalf of um, those, you know, minority groups and figure out ways to empower them, to defend them from people who are attacking them or feel it making them feel unsafe. Um, And that's something that we can all do. Educate yourself, probably the one that umbrellas all of these. Because in order to educate yourself, that's going to teach you that it's okay to feel emotions. It's going to remind you that it's okay to have a circle to go to. It's going to teach you the things that you should say and that you shouldn't say, when you should approach a situation, when you need to back off and just admit that maybe it's a lost cause on this person. And um, again, all this is stuff that I've learned recently. I've been Black for 26 and a half years, but only the last couple of years have I really learned what that means. And so I have loved every single moment of this adventure and this journey and trying to figure out what exactly that looks like for my life and how it can empower other people. And whenever I think about talking to other people about it, I mean, I'm just so excited because this is a journey for me and it can be a journey for pretty much anyone else at all. Yeah, I was just thinking like, because in the beginning of our recording and you say you're doing so many things and and you also kind of said that maybe it's just like battling against yourself like internally maybe you just need to do more to prove to whoever um how do you find a balance for that 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm type A and I'm an achiever. And if you take any personality test ever, you're like, oh, wow, Sandra, this all makes sense because this is exactly who you are. Mm. So, I mean, I can admit (laughs) that not everything is me trying to overcompensate. I love positions of leadership, but not to make, have a big head or anything, but you can empower people to make change and to want to make change. And I think that's something that I've always been really good at. And so whether it was, you know, president of my sorority or now president of the staff Senate of Texas Tech University, I mean, I'm in positions of leadership, especially being the first, you know, a lot of times the first black female to ever do these jobs. Um, I am where I wish someone had been whenever I was younger. So I had someone to look up to and to see that these were things that were possible. And I'm so, I mean, I love every single moment of getting to do that. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I've gotten to do things that other people haven't gotten the opportunity to. And I can do good and make sure that other people can in the future. And so when it comes to balancing it, I am pretty aware of when things start to go downhill or because I've ignored something too long because my brain gets in a frazzled mess and it's very noticeable in the way I talk and the way that I don't talk, um, the way that I am pretty shut off to other people or that you won't hear from me for a little bit. And so if I were to that place, which is where I was basically last week, I know that I've let things go on for too long without addressing them. And so in the past week, I've really taken some time to sit back and reflect on what I needed to do that was best for me versus what I was doing because it was best for other people. And as a reminder in all of this, it's okay to pick yourself. It's okay that if you aren't having a day where you can be superwoman, that's okay. Because if you allow yourself to reset and recharge, you can be superwoman again. I saw this person on Facebook who was just spouting lies and saying dumb things all the time, but I was not in a place where I could have said anything without ruining my own mental health even further. And so I knew that was a moment I had to step back and I had to not do it. I know there's situations at work where I want to join another committee or I want to do X, Y, and Z, and I can't do it because I don't have time or I don't have the mental energy or the mental capacity to be in that situation. And you can say no. Other people, the more people that are involved in the conversation that you allow to be as part of the conversation and in your life, the better it is. You don't have to be everything for everyone. And so, I mean, that's my advice is to realize that not everything's going to happen and that's okay. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're just a person. We're all just human here trying to figure out this life with other humans. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You kind of already, you, you stole my question because <laughs> my question was like, what would you say to your younger self, right? Because like there will be something that that your parents would do, but you might not do the same or you might keep the same thing. But what what would you, so when you turn back, what would you say to your younger self, that little Sandra? Um, To little Sandra, I would tell her, I guess one, that I'm so sad that she wasn't proud of who she was when she was younger and she spent mm. so much time trying to change it. And I would tell her that she is really, really going to be a rock star one day, but she has to go through these hard moments and she has to have the realization later on in life that who she is is amazing and who she is, she is for a reason. Mm. And that gives her her own platform. And for other girls out there, even if they're, I mean, older, my age, whatever, 
who might still be feeling that same way I felt when I was younger, it's not too late to take on a new perspective and to think that who you are and your identity is actually your superpower and not your kryptonite and not your downfall. Mm. Always take advantage of who you are because I mean, we can't change that. We might as well own it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. And I love your stories. It's very heartfelt and very personal and, and it's not everyone can do that. You're so brave to, to share with us. Thank you. Yeah. And then, I don't know. It's just like every time that you have to face that kind of emotional challenges mm-hmm. and all that, it, it's not easy. And I just want to let you know that I appreciate that. It's it's not super comfortable talking about the things that you just talked about. But I learned so much from you and from your stories. And hmm. Wow. Anything before <laughs> anything you, you want to say before we end? I, I mean, you guys have my social media. Um, I'm happy to come and chat again. Obviously, you know, I'm a talker, so I could talk forever. Um, but let's have a conversation. Let's make this more of a thing that happens regularly. Yeah. Because the only way that it becomes a, a normal is if we make it a normal. Mm, right? That's right. So that's yeah. what I'll leave you guys with. Yeah, you can find Sandra on Facebook by at Sandra Adol. Mm-hmm. So it's Sandra A D D O, but on Twitter is Sandra O A D D O, and on Instagram with an O, so that's where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then on Instagram is the same as Facebook. So Sandra Addo as well. So I'll put everything in the episode note. And oh, thank you so much for coming to the show, Sandra. This was so fun. I had a blast. I was like, oh, surely I'm not going to take all 40 minutes, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time.